0: Are making their way out. Let's give Jay Bassett and the worship praise band a hand this morning. I was in the back reflecting on uh, Luke chapter 15 in the parable of the, the lost sheep, um, the lost coin, and the lost son as we were singing the reckless love song. And usually when we are singing that, I look around and and the people who are expressing it the most are those who recognize that they were far from God and God saved them. And it's typically that I've watched, and when we're singing that song as well, is that it's women singing it. Because they're in tune to love better than men. It's hard for men to show um, that we are loved by God and love Him in return and love others. And so as we begin today, uh, we should begin with a starting point of recognizing that we were lost. And as Jay was quoting Romans and Paul, for while we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. So in spite of your sin, God still loved you. They will still value you. We are made in the image of God. And he has come to save and to restore and to make us holy through the work that he has done and is doing. Uh, church, as we begin this morning, I want to share a painting with you. Um, uh, about a year and a half ago, our DS, Bob Skinner, uh, who had spent a lot of time overseas in and, and, and Eurasia and those areas as a um, over a region and just doing missionary work, and in doing... Um, Missionary work in, in Poland, he uh, he he acquired this painting while living there, and it's called Plowing by Josef um, Hil- Hilmanski. It's spelled Chilmanski. I'm trying to speak Polish. I'm not good at that. Sorry. Um, he was trying to help me through articulating it well, and I was like, I'm just going to say that painter feller. So. Um, But in this painting, it may be hard for you guys to see. There's a lot of Christian imagery in it. Um, The large cross emerges in the background in the distance. There is a town behind or beyond the cross. There's a dove floating in the sky, which represents the Holy Spirit. And you see birds there as um, the plower or the farmer is moving, picking at maybe some of the seeds that that are there, and obviously the oxen. And the farmer and the plow, plowing and and doing this hard work. And the point of this is, as he's tilling the soil, is that ministry and Christianity is hard work. It is not easy. This actually could, in fact, depict Jesus Christ. Uh, Mark, the Gospel of Mark, makes Jesus that he is this worker. He's always on the move, um, doing the work of ministry. But it's not merely called the plow. It's not a painting of a plow on the side of the road or old farm equipment. Obviously, it is the farmer who is plowing. It takes work. It is toil. It is a hard thing for us to do. And I want you to know that ministry is hard work. What Jesus did for us, going and leaving the 99 and going after the 1 and going to the cross, is a work. It was a hard work. Since being in ministry, I have described it this way. It is blood, it is sweat, it is tears. It is not easy. Uh, I've never met anybody who understood ministry that woke up one day and said, I hope to do ministry one day. Uh, They don't know what they're getting into yet because you're dealing with all kinds of things. You're battling with your own flesh. You're you're fighting in the ministry. You're, You're warring against the world. You're warring against demonic forces. It is a work. I would go as far as to say that the farmer here, which is interesting, you see that his clothing is is wrapped up above his legs there for the most part. Uh, He is prepared for the work. He didn't get up one day and say, I'm going to be a farmer. He didn't get up and just say, hey, I might plow today. There was a plan and he had to prepare and have all his equipment ready and prepared, had the right clothes to wear to do the ministry or the work he is doing. And the whole idea is the reminder of the work that Christ has called us to and that we are to live ready in this ministry and this work He has for us. And that's what I want to spend some time in dealing with today. We're going to be back in 2 Timothy in chapter 2. We will be back in 2 Timothy next week as well. And here we have verses 19 through 22 again. But God's firm foundation stands bearing this seal The Lord knows who are His, or those who are His, and let everyone... This is a message for the 2020 church. Let everyone who names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. If you are a Christ follower, if you've taken the name Jesus Christ, we are to depart from evil. And it actually says, Lord... Uh, Lord means curious it means that he is Lord of all we are his servant we are his slave we're giving up our life we are leaving iniquity and sin behind and doing the ministry he has called us to in verse 20 now in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and silver but also wood and clay some for honorable use some for dishonorable therefore If anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable in the context, it is immorality and false teaching. He will be a vessel for honorable use, set apart as holy, useful to the master, useful as the servant, useful to the master of the house. And here it is, church, ready for every good work that he is calling us to. Let's pray together today. Father in heaven, we love you and we thank you that you are good. You've demonstrated your goodness and your love for us. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your patience today. We thank you for pursuing us. We thank you for calling us out of darkness and and bringing us into your marvelous light that we can have relationship with this loving God. And Lord, I pray that we remain in you And Lord, that we are departing from the old life, that we are cleansing ourselves and, and being these vessels you've called us to be that can be ready for the work you called us to. And Lord, I just pray simply today that we hear from heaven, that you give us spiritual ears to hear what the spirit has to say to the church, that you give us eyes to see the kingdom, Lord, that we are no longer in darkness. We've come into the light, and we see who you are and what you're calling us to. And Lord, I pray you just fill our hearts and our minds with your truth, that we are living as the disciples you've called us to be, that people hear the gospel from our lips. But when they see our lifestyle, they see one that points to Jesus, that represents God well. In Jesus' name we pray together. Amen. Now church, over the last few weeks, we spent time dealing with the reality that God can, in fact, uh, establish and create in you a clean heart. And this should be our cry, this should be our confession. Uh, If you've fallen into sin, this should be what we pray. And, And King David recognized that he had fallen into this affair, he had conspired to have one of his soldiers killed. He tried to hide the sin, but no sin can be hidden from God. And it came to a time where a, a prophet came and said, you're the man, you are the one who has sinned. And David confessed. He falls down, he's crying out to God, cleanse me, purge me of sin. Don't take the joy of your salvation away. Don't take or return the joy of your salvation. Don't take your spirit. Create in me a clean heart. And we also learn that there is a call subsequent to this. If you've been saved, um, you are cleansed of sin. But subsequently, we call on God, and as He is cleansing us with the Holy Spirit, we are to cleanse our own lives. God is working, and we are working. He is moving in us and convicting us of sin. We recognize that, and we are working to get those things out of our lives. This is what we're called to do, to cleanse ourselves. And, and just a reminder here, it is a, it is a call to personal holiness. Now, we spent some time a few weeks ago dealing with cleansing yourself, so we're going to hit this again as a reminder. And I am a pastor and a preacher of repetition. You will hear me repeat things. There are sermons I have preached, I rework, I preach again, I rework and I preach it again. as things that we need to hear. The New Testament and the Old Testament is dealing with, do not forget the things that God has done for you. It is radical to think that God showed up and did all these miracles for the Hebrew people, rescues them from bondage in Egypt. They get into the wilderness. Some of them are like, hey, we want to go back. And as they come into the promised land, as generations are passing, it says that a generation grew that did not know the Lord. And there's warning after warning. Do not forget what God has done for you. You come to the New Testament. The Apostle Peter, out of all people, is writing in his second letter, I want to remind you, well, shouldn't Christians know these things? Do they need to be reminded? We are a forgetful people. I'm writing this to remind you that how we are to live a holy life that God has given us everything that we need for godliness, for salvation, for life and godliness. Even the Apostle Paul, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, this is radical. He's writing to a church, and churches are made up of Christians. He says, I want to remind you of the gospel. What? Did you forget? Do we even know what the gospel is? That God, because we were in sin, God has done this good work. That is the good news. That God wants to save us. And he goes through what God has showed in the scripture. What he has said in the past. That Jesus Christ died on the cross for you. That he rose again for you. This is gospel. But it's radical to think that Paul had to say, let me remind you of the gospel. Because we are very forgetful. So here it is. Pastor Derek is reminding you today that we are to cleanse ourselves. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself. So we are cleansed by God. Jesus Christ has saved us and cleansed us by his blood. The Holy Spirit is causing regeneration and washing us and sanctifying us. But you are to cleanse yourself from what is dishonorable. And I guarantee you, if you have the Holy Spirit living in you, there are things that he speaks to you about. Uh, there are things that need to be moved out of your life. He will be a vessel, the person who does this, for honorable use, set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, and ready for every good work. The question today, church, is have you cleansed yourself? Said, well, God had saved me years ago. Are you saved right now, and are you living safe, and have you cleansed yourself and purged your life of these sinful things that are destroying our lives? It has wrecked our testimony. It is too much, and and every organization has hypocrisy. But the New Testament message is to stop being hypocrites, that we are to cleanse ourselves, that we are to get sin out of our life, that people see Jesus living in our life. Now, uh, we have to clarify. uh, A lot of people feel like they have to get their life right before they come to Jesus. You do not have to clean your life before you come to Jesus Christ to be saved. This is the work he has done for you at the cross. You confess your sins. He is faithful and just to cleanse you of your sins. He will save you. But after that, we are to live clean. We are to continue. And even when the sheep gets often stuck in the mud, it doesn't want to stay in the mud. Uh, it wants to be pulled out by the shepherd. I watched the video. It's funny that people will say, you know, Christians are a lot like sheep. Obviously, we're called sheep. And I would like to think that We're the smart sheep. (laughs) And I watched the video. I've heard people say, and farmers and shepherds will say, sheep are very stupid. And I'm not sure if that's what Jesus meant by calling us his sheep, the sheep of his flock. But I was watching a video of this kid trying to rescue this sheep out of the mud. And he was working, he's working. He puts a strap around this sheep, and he pulls it out. And that sheep bounces away joyfully. I'm free! And bounces and runs right back in the muddy ditch. (laughs) it's like... I don't know, does that represent us or not? And I'm thinking, no, it shouldn't. Uh, it represents some, but we are to not go back into the mud and into the ditch. We are to live as sanctified. And, and this is not the foreign concept for Christianity. Uh, this is, church, I want you to know that living saved, living holy is Christianity. The name Christ in Christianity is from Christ who is holy. And he is living without sin, and he's calling us to live without sin. And Christianity basically means little Christians, followers of the Christ. And we should uh, represent that Christ. We are called to be holy because God is holy. Uh, we're called into relationship with him. And the New Testament tells us as, as well, and I think it's Ephesians 5.1, that we are to be imitators of our Father. Um, that we are to live as he has lived and as a holy people, as dear children. A child should represent uh, their father. The entire book of Leviticus, it's a message of God calling out a people who were in bondage, thus they've been redeemed, they've exited uh, bondage, they've come into the wilderness to be with God and given the best education. Today we want to send all our kids to a university so they can get some kind of an education, and they come out with all kinds of debt. They've been de-evangelized. Um, they become progressives who know better than God and Christian and Christians. And here it is: God called people into the wilderness, not some fancy institution, to teach them the best education ever. That God is holy. And he wants us to be in a relationship with him and live holy. What institution is teaching that? This is the institution of the church as well, that we believe in a holy God and we are called to live as his holy people. God calls his people to cleanse themselves post-salvation. It is taught in the New Testament as we see above here and in the Old Testament and is reiterated several times in the New Testament. Just as a reminder, here, Paul again, 2 Corinthians 7.1 Since we have these promises, he is the God of promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of body and spirit, bringing holiness to completion in the fear of God. This is a calling for us. We are Christians. Cleanse yourself of every defilement. And When we were starting out in ministry years ago in this country town in North Carolina, The church had moved the creed more. The church was growing, and I remember a guy coming and was coming to Sunday school, and he was saying that um, his son, every time his son sinned, he said the devil made me do it, and I said you need to whoop the devil out of him. You know if that if if that's going to be the excuse, but the devil did not make him do it. That we have a will. And we can be obedient to God, or we can be obedient to the devil, but he doesn't make us do it. He tempts us to do these things. We are called to remove these things from our lives, to get them out, bringing holiness to completion in the fear of God. Some translations will say perfection, meaning that it is complete in your life, that you represent this God here on earth. Isaiah, same thing, chapter one, wash yourselves. God, you know, Jesus came in the flesh and washed the disciples' feet to represent that he is a servant. But as we live as Christians, we are to keep our lives cleansed. We are to wash ourselves, make yourselves clean, remove evil, the evil deeds from before. My my eyes cease to do evil, learn to do good, seek justice, correct oppression, bring justice to the fatherless, plead the widow's calls. This biblical teaching places the responsibility upon each believer to maintain a pure, unpolluted, and a clean life. This is a calling for us. Now what we've done is we've taken Christianity and said God just loves you the way you are. And God is not in the business. He loves you where you are. He's in the business of rescuing you from that lifestyle and bringing you up to live as he's called you to live. Again, biblical teaching. So why? why live holy is the question why should i do that obviously our god is holy calls us to holiness obviously there's subsequent blessings for doing good when people are living the way god has called them to live their life gets better raise your hand if you left god's teachings and life got better i mean there's just some common things here as we're pursuing his holiness and following him but another thing is that we can do the work of god that he has called us to be clean vessels he wants us to be a holy people. That people recognize that. What the world is seeing in the 2020s is that I'm living in sin, and I'm pagan or whatever, and my friend says they're a Christian and live in exactly the way I live, and they're trying to tell me to come and, and believe in this God. There should be a difference, amen, church? That if we are a holy people, there should be a difference in the way we operate in school, the way we talk with our friends, the way we work around our co-workers, the way we respond to everything should be different than the way the world is doing things. And we are to make ourselves clean, remove evil deeds, cease from doing evil, and, he says here, learn to do good. It's not that you always know it, that you have to learn it. You have to unlearn the living a lifestyle of sin. And learn to do the righteous things that God has called us to. When you're living in sin, you have a heart that is bent toward evil. It is bent toward self. Only uh, You'll meet somebody who says they're a Christian, and they're so bent toward self that they'll say they met another woman, they'll leave their kids and their wife and go be with someone else, and they think that's a good thing. But what happens, and if you've ever experienced this, a family member has gone through a divorce and in an adulterous relationship, their heart becomes selfish. I'm only concerned about myself. I'm only concerned with what our culture teaches, happiness. I just need my happiness all the time. And the Bible teaches us a life of holiness brings happiness, but we're bent toward self. You're not concerned about God. Uh, loving Him, you're not concerned about others and loving them. And we have to cleanse ourselves so we can be. It is a call to repentance, um, to be obedient to the commands of God, that I, I love God and I obey Him. Jesus says, why do you call me Lord and not do what I have commanded? And here it is, obedience is part of this as well, that we are be- to be concerned and loving. Now, we, a few weeks ago, we talked about the seven deadly sins and what we do to overcome them. And ultimately, it's just living a life that's departed from evil and doing the things that Jesus has called us to do. Cleansing ourselves not only brings God glory, but it allows us to actively and entirely be used by God for his purpose. Again, that we will be ready for every good work. Um, Are we ready? Um, Emma is going through a phase where she loves Tom and Jerry. I mean, the old school cartoons loves it. And you know, we've been watching America's Funniest Videos, and she wants to watch funny animal videos. They're hilarious. If you, if, It doesn't matter how old you are right now. Watch America's Funniest Videos again. I know it feels like the 90s or whatever, but they are great. Emma has also been coming to me and said, Dad, I want to watch the videos where people fall down. <laughs> I said, Those are hilarious, but hey, I wonder if I could work that into a sermon illustration. you know? So I'm talking to her, and I said, and what we're also teaching Emma is that to clean up after herself and to make her bed. And Daddy, can I watch my videos? And I said, have you made your bed? Have you cleaned your room? Yes, Daddy, I've cleaned my room. I've made my bed. I said, okay, I'm going to come check. She said, Daddy, I need to go clean my room and make my bed. (laughs) So sometimes, here it is, we think we're ready for the next thing. And we actually want to say that we're ready. We want to do the next thing. Um, But our Heavenly Father sees that we haven't. Done what we were supposed to do, uh, clean up our lives, to clean our room, whatever it may be. So we need to be ready, and that's what I want to talk to you about next. Reiterating the life and call to holiness, but church, we must be ready for the good work. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use, set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, ready. For every good work. Now next week we're going to spend time dealing with what the good works are. But we have to focus in on this being ready. I think a lot of times we jump forward and we're not necessarily ready for the work that God is calling us to. This this word ready here appears several times in the New Testament as prepared. Uh, The King James Version here actually uses prepared unto every good work. It, It actually means to make ready. So, so it's not just, I'm saying I'm ready. I'm making my life ready for every good work. Um, to make the necessary preparations. Jesus said, I'm going away to prepare a place for you. It wasn't ready at that time. He is preparing it to be ready. Uh, to get everything ready. The, John the Baptist was preparing the way for the Lord. And as Christians, we have to be ready and prepare our lives For the work God is calling us to. Uh, There's times we want to get people involved. Let's get involved. Let's do the ministry. But the question is, is your heart really ready for this calling? Are you really prepared to sacrifice your life in the way the Bible teaches? To give up your lifestyle for God's lifestyle? Uh, Can you say at this point that you are ready for the work God has called you to? And part of me wants to say, you know, you're, you're never truly ready. And a lot of times we say, well, God doesn't call the equipped, he equips the called. And some of that is true. Sometimes God is calling the equipped. And as we walk into this, actually, we feel very unprepared. But we are still called to prepare ourselves that we are to cleanse our lives from sinful patterns. And I think uh, we have to get serious about cleansing our own heart and life from sin so we can be truly used by God. I shared a testimony or an example a few weeks ago. If somebody came to the front of the church and said they'd recently left their wife, but God called them to go be a missionary in another country, we need to raise money to support that. Would that be what you want to give toward? If somebody is not doing good with their finances, and they say they're called to do this ministry, there's a trust problem there. If you don't see that someone represents God and is anointed and called by God, and they're saying they want to do this ministry... So I think in this preparation, we start small, but we have to remove the sin from our life so we can be ready for every good work. We can and should remove distractions and anything that dishonors God in our lives. We cannot be ready for seeking justice for anyone, as Isaiah tells us to do. And I, I like to make a disclaimer. I do not say social justice in Christianity. Now, there's some people that say that when we say social justice, it's Marxist humanism in this culture. So in their mind, you're to support everything they say is right and true and justice. And as I said a few weeks ago as well, the people that promote social justice are the same people that promote aborting babies. That is not justice at all. So as we see here, how can I seek justice if I'm seeking selfish things for my own life? How can I know what justice is unless I truly know God? How can I bring justice to anyone if I don't know God? Uh, We have to seek holiness and be ready. John Wesley says this. I love this. And when I say John Wesley, you know, when I was starting out in ministry, I would listen to a lot of pastors and preachers, and they would quote people. And I was like, man, I want to preach a sermon one day where I'm quoting these great quotes. And I, so I was preaching, and you're quoting these great quotes from these great pastors who, who preach great sermons. And then I started learning what was behind the quote. I wanted to know the person, so I'm starting to read about the people and studying the life. And, and when you study the life of John Wesley, he was a very rigid man. He loved people. He worked. He did the ministry. At one point in his life, this, this is radical, he wrote in his journal, I'm finding it harder to get up at 5 in the morning. Now, you might say, well, people got up earlier back then, electricity, blah, blah, blah. But he was in his 80s. (laughs) I'm finding it harder to get up at 530. You know, I need to sleep in a little bit. He was just such a diligent man that loved God and did such a work that we still know about him today, starting the Wesleyan revival in England. He says this, my one aim in life is to secure personal holiness. For without being holy myself, I cannot promote holiness in others. And there it is. How can I even tell people about Jesus if I don't represent Him? Have I been saved from my sin? Come and meet this man. He's has, he has shown me everything about my life. How can I teach a congregation or a people to live holy as God is holy unless I am living holy myself? There has to be a connection between our relationship with God and what we are telling people, that we are promoting and seeking personal holiness ourselves. Now, I must remind you that In this context, again, the Apostle Paul is speaking to false doctrine and immorality. And behind every false teacher is an immoral life. Now, some churches look like they're exploding and doing good, and there's a pastor preaching as normal, and it looks like things are exciting, and God is moving, and then we find out that there was sin in their life. They were living a dual lifestyle. They were double-minded. But behind every false teacher that we are finding out is a life of immorality. So they go together. Immorality leads us to false teaching, and false teachers have immorality in their lives. And at this point in my life, uh, I, I know for a fact there's denominations and ministers and people who claim to be Christians leading people away. I've started to say that not everybody who wears the cloth or the collar has been called by or saved by Jesus Christ. I've watched, I watched a minister who promoted homosexuality on the reader board, on the marquee at his church. We believe in women's rights and abortion at our church. So I, went to, I always went to see, and I begin to read what he is saying and what he is preaching. And he literally did a video, a TikTok video, something else. If your kids are on TikTok, they're seeing all this false teaching. They're quick clips that challenge their faith and plant seeds of doubt. And he said that Jesus, he's teaching that Jesus was gay. There's no historical evidence that Jesus is gay. And just a reminder, not one time in the scriptures is homosexuality condoned. Not once. It is always condemned. I want you to know that. What people try to do is twist the scriptures to make it teach that. Like the love between Jonathan and David. Well, that must have been, you know, broke-back mountain love, you know. And it's, it's not what it was. It was a friendship. But this minister says this. He says Jesus was gay because um, the Apostle John leaned in, and the old scripture would say his bosom, his chest. So you, you can't hug another man and be close to another man. If, if not, that means you're gay. If anything, men need to say, I love you, to other men more. You know, you need to get some hugs from another man. And it's, you can be comfortable in that. It doesn't mean anybody's gay. But this is the false teaching that is coming into the church. One of the challenges we're facing today and why I believe many young people haven't said yes to ministry and even adults' church is because they're not ready. Are you ready? What is holding you up from just saying, yes, I'm all in? I want Jesus and nothing else. I want all of God. I don't want a little bit of God and and, and these other things in our lives. Um, False doctrine or false concepts of God have crept in. They found root in the hearts of many, even in Christianity. Others have allowed sin in their life and are trying to twist reality to meet their desires, trying to undo history and reality and the Bible to suit their own selves. And the character of Christians affects one's perception of Christianity. If you are living in sin, it skews your understanding of who God is. One of the reasons people say that God is so judging in the church is because they're living in sin. There's a conviction there that they need to make things right. The Word of God helps deal with these issues. I want to share this with you. Paul, again, we recite this once a month, a a version I kind of created, a mix between ESV and um, the New Living Translation. But here it is, it it teaches us God's doctrinal truths and how we are to live. If I was thrown in jail and still had the word of God, I still have everything. Because I have the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and I have the word of truth that I can put in my heart. And the Apostle Paul says this, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching. Why would progressives want to undo the word of God? Because it's profitable to the believer for teaching for reproof, for correction. That we have to be corrected in the truth. We can, we can say everything we want to say and make up whatever we want to make up, but when we come to the truth, it doesn't change. It reproves us. It is for correction and training in righteousness that I can be who God has called me to be. That I can put aside evil and sin and, and I can be ready for every good work. And he says that here. That the messenger of God may be complete Equipped for every good work, we need the word of truth. This helps us prepare. I've met people to say, Man, I'm called in the ministry. What church do you go to? No, I don't go to church, man. I'm just, the Lord's leading me. <laughs> and then you see him in the news, and it's a crime or something evil. If we're called by God, there's a preparation. Uh, that we're uh, indoctrinating our own hearts with the truths of Jesus Christ, that we're learning what it means to be faithful to the cause of Christ. This text teaches us that we can, in fact, be ready and equipped for every good work if we are filling our hearts with the Word of God. But many are not equipped for or ready for the good work. Instead, this, this is what we're dealing with. Instead of time with God, it's time in social media. Years ago, there was a, a general superintendent that's part of our denomination. He has since passed away, great guy, Stan Toller. He was telling people over a decade ago, fast from social media. Now, it, it's neutral in the sense that it can be used for good, but it's mostly used for evil, and it is a great distraction. It just absorbs your time if you're not careful. You have to have a boundary and a time limit, but we're just, I don't have time for church. I can't make it to the Bible study. Uh, I I just can't be involved. It's just too much, you know, in all these things. And here it is. We need to spend time with God to be prepared for ministry. If, If media dominates your time, you're not ready. If you're listening to everyone else on TikTok, you're not listening. I like to call it flip flop. It flips the truth and flops it over. But you're not listening to God's voice. Jesus, again, my sheep hear my voice. Are you hearing from God to respond to his calling on your life? If pornography dominates your life, how can you promote holiness among God's holy people? And we're called, again, to live pure. But if I'm staring at pornography all the time, and I'm not going to lie, it is easy just to get tripped up. You're on TikTok and all this kind of stuff. I don't have TikTok, but you're on Instagram or whatever. I, I remember years ago, I'm, I'm pastoring this college and career group, and, and I would have where it, where it does recommendations of people that you're friends with, that they're friends, and suggestions come up. And I would have suggestions of ladies who were showing everything they got. And it would say, um, eight friends in common. Who? Who like, Who are they? Who are they? That's my college group. We got to have a message, you know, and it'll always say they're showing everything. Oh, I love God and all this kind of stuff. It is a lie from the pit of hell. Remove these things from your life block. I'm actively blocking things all the time uh, because it's nasty. You'll post. I've noticed now the more conservative or a biblical Christian post I post and people come and respond. Someone that's trying to lure somebody into pornography will come underneath and comment and say, Hey, I'm Brandy. Um, Come check out my page. And obviously that's wrong, so I'm going to block that. But if somebody's weak in the flesh sees that, they're going to go check out Brandy's page. I'm sorry if there's a brandy out there. I don't know. Uh, but whoever she is, uh, but not even, they're not even real sometimes. It's just done to suck you in to pornography and it destroys lives. It destroys marriages. These are things we are to move out of our lives. Again, if pornography dominates your life, how can you promote holiness? If hate is in your heart, how can you love God and others? If gossip and unkindness is on your lips. How can you share the gospel of Jesus Christ? If you're trying to climb the corporate ladder, how is God going to call you to do the ministry he has for you? Because you're too hard doing it. You're doing this. You're trying to have more, 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 more. And you're not willing to give your more to Jesus Christ. This is the calling so we can be ready. The unkind and, you know, gossiping is something interesting. If you know somebody is a gossip in the church, it's okay to say, I'm not listening to you. How can they share the gospel? It it, it just is radical that we have people in church that still, all they want to do is talk negative about others. And we need to be a people that call that out. And as it said in our scripture today, that we're to war against these things, but do it with kindness and love, but at the same time, really? Really? Are people still speaking evil of the people of God? Even fear has crept in uh, into many hearts and have crippled Christians from saying yes to this high calling. Because they look at their lifestyle and they look at what God is calling them to. Um, COVID has made people radically fearful. And, and God is giving me, God is pouring into my heart and mind this morning, church. There's things that I have not put in here, and he's sharing this with me. In the book of Revelation, it talks about who will be thrown into the lake of fire, who will not make it into the kingdom of God. And obviously, you can see this throughout the New Testament. You can see it in Galatians, those who will not make it into the kingdom of God. But it lists these things, these sorcerers, these workers of witchcraft, and immoral, and evil. And it actually says, cowards, cowards will not make it into the kingdom of God. Because they're fearful of doing anything, I cannot. I can't do ministry because this other thing, or it's going to do this, or it's going to do that, and I'm afraid to just be all in, and I become a coward. I'm fearful, and what is what is said throughout the Bible? Fear not. Don't be afraid. You're going to take this new land, and you're going to fight some people, but fear not. I am with you that God is with us through all of this, but we're still afraid. We're afraid in New Testament Christianity, 2020s, to even make friends. When is the last time you've reached out to be loving towards someone to make a friend? That We're afraid to open up, to be vulnerable, to be what the church has called us to be in koinonia, to be in fellowship one with another. Um, the only way that we can... Be ready for every good work, God-empowered work, is to cleanse our lives, to get the sin out, to get the false teaching out, to get all these things out, and be filled with the things of God. I'm going to ask Jay to come as we prepare to close. Again, church, as we're preparing, are you ready for every good work that God has called you to? Next week, we're going to deal with the good works. But you already know what they are. God called me to to be a pastor in my teenage years. I didn't answer until until my 20s. And here it is. We should have God's word in our hearts, his works, in our hands. But we have to be ready. Obviously, we're learning along the way. We don't have it all figured out. But to be an authentic Christ follower, to point people to God, we have to get the sin away. Everything God wants us to do, from the smallest act of kindness to the the great world-changing efforts begins with preparation. We are disciples. Disciples are learners, that we are engaged in the ministry of God, that we might be prepared to do the great work he's called us to. At this point in my life, I love God more than I ever have. I love him. I want to be pleasing to him. But there was a time in my life where I was not prepared. When God called me in 2003, and we recommitted our lives to Christ and the church, uh, there was things in my life that I had to get out. Um, Just uh, misuse of finances that God changed. Went from being lazy to diligent. Just ungodly patterns in my life. Uh, Looking at things I shouldn't look at, talking about things I shouldn't talk about, going places I shouldn't go, whatever it is. And, And we call this sanctification. God has saved you. It is his gift to save you. But now he's getting the sin out. You know what our denomination believes? Something called a second work of grace. So there's the grace, the gift of God to save you. And we, we promote a second work that we should seek. And they use the term entire sanctification. So God is sanctifying you. You're cleansing yourself. But there's this moment, this crisis that happens where I want all of God. I don't know how we would want a portion only that we should want all of who God is. Giving up the sin. There there used to be times where people were packed at the altar, not afraid to say, I have sin in my life, and I need Jesus to save me. And this is what He is in the business of doing to cleanse us that we may be ready for every good work He has called us to do. And here it is again. Are you sure you're ready? Can you say you're truly ready? And so as we close today, obviously time of uh, of prayer. But every time in my life that I've sat and listened to a message, there's always, always, always something God has shown me that needs to change. So as we close, uh, we're going to open the altars for a time. It could be anything. God has already told you what it is. But we just want you to respond. God, I'm all in. I'm going to cleanse myself. I'm asking you to cleanse me that I may, I may be ready for not some work, not a few good things, but every good work. Church, let's pray. And the altars are open. We're going to sing. Jay's going to lead us in work.